Regina Nissan is the presenting sponsor of the Off the Hosel podcast. And this month, you can choose your vehicle and your bonus during the big thrill sales event. You can lease the new 2021 Nissan Murano for as low as $193 biweekly for 39 months with $950 down. Or check out the new 2021 Nissan Sentra, leased as low as $54 weekly for 60 months with $0 down. Make sure to head down to Regina Nissan at 1111 Broad Street, Regina, Saskatchewan. Or visit them online at reginanissan.ca. Or check them out on social media at Nissan Regina. Drive Nissan. Harbor Golf Club and Resort offers an exciting challenge to all levels of golf enthusiasts. This 18-hole championship golf course is situated on the bluffs overlooking the scenic Lake Diefenbaker in Elbow, Saskatchewan. Feast your eyes on the panoramic views of miles of sandy beaches, the lake, and our spectacular golf course. Take the opportunity to get away from life's hustle and bustle and support local by planning your next day trip to Harbor Golf. Use off the hosel code on your next booking and get 20% off green fees and a $20 food and beverage voucher for your foursome. Offer not applicable with any other promotion. And that's four birdies in a row for Drew Kosher to close out the day with a smooth 69, ladies and gentlemen. And would you look at that, Troy Kosher stripes one right down the middle on the wrong fairway. The Reverend can't drive, he can't hit his irons, and he can't putt, but boy, can that guy drink. You're listening to Off the Hosel, presented by Nissan Regina. Now here's your host, Drew Kosher, and co-host, Troy McClure Kosher. Hey, everybody. We're back for another episode of Off the Hosel. It's episode 79, a Andre Markov podcast. My name is Drew Kosher, and I am your host, not joined by the original gang. Troy and Dan are MIA, but... We are joined by the intern, the Ripper. Rip, what's going on? Kosh, what a week we got here. We do have a week. We are in Swift Current, Saskatchewan currently. Left on Sunday. It's currently Wednesday as this has been dropped. Yeah, we're in a battle right now, and it's awesome. This is our southern, southwest, southwest? Yep, southwest. Southwest road trip. Uh, Seven days together. Seven days. Seven days together in a hotel. That we're staying at is Days Inn by Windham in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. They've been great to us, great hospitality. The boardroom for us to do interviews. We've lo- we've already knocked off two interviews. Have a couple more plans. So thanks to them for all their uh, hospitality. Uh, yeah, Rip, thoughts on that? I guess. Um, I've enjoyed it so far. The city of Swift Current, Speedy Creek, as I like to call it. Yeah. Um, what a town! You know, just hanging out with a good buddy of mine, you, Coach, and. Playing some golf, caddying some golf, uh, hanging out, watching some NHL playoffs. It's been a time. Boys are buzzing. Okay, quickly before we, as we always do, we want to mention that this is a Nissan-driven podcast. They are the number one place to get your next vehicle, oil changer, any vehicle-related needs. They are located on 1111 Broad Street in Regina, Saskatchewan. It's time today that you make the switch and go to Nissan Regina and drive Nissan. Drive Nissan. Bang. Uh, Rip, we're not in our usual location of recording. Um, Where are we today? Well, we're in Swift Current, but we're usually in Divots, Indoor Golf. Nice one, dumbass. My bad. (laughs) Go on. Divots, Indoor Golf. Um, It's a great time, great people, 
always great vibes with great food and always crush a few drinks there. Located oh, on Rochdale Boulevard. Oh, my God. Boulevard right across the street from the Dogwick where Coach used to light up the PJ. Yeah, like the like the Molson Bud Light lamp. That was me. I was the Bud Light lamper. <laughs> Lighting the lamp. Don't say Bud Light. <laughs> what was it called? Budweiser. Budweiser. <laughs> but yeah, we're in Molson. Well, Bud. yeah, we don't have that anymore. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, I guess wait, we... wait, wait. Hang on. I'm just going to drink my Molson's Vizzy to make up for that. Oh, dude. That was just, that was just there we go. good noise. There you go, Molson's. We're good. Thanks, Davey. Uh, okay. We have to talk about our weekends. Uh, I guess what else is new with you? What's up? What's new? What's going on? Um, you know, I just started my summer classes on Monday. So we're getting in the dog days, starting schools right around the corner. Um, you know, just working out, skating, golfing a ton. Now cat in with you. Uh, you know, just hanging out, dog days of summer. Unreal. Yeah. What a life, eh? It's not a bad life. Yeah, no, to further on that rip, I guess, me, I mean, me too. You know, practicing lots, preparing for this event. Yep. We're in Swift for the SAS men's slash mid-amateur slash the women's amateur also. Uh, we had round one yesterday. We're into round two now. But, um, yeah, like, I mean, we'll talk about that later portion here. But yep. good day and day one and a lot of fun so far. So, let's talk quickly about last week's guest. You and I were on that. Were you on that? No, you weren't on that one. Nope. But Jared Jacobs, stop motion slash animator with Lego. He is Lego man. Uh, some of the stuff that he's created is is incredible. Yeah, it's it's very unique. It's very cool. Um, it's hard to believe someone can make a living off what he does, but and it's hard hard to knock it when he loves what he's doing. He's making a good living out of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, great guest. And obviously another great guest this week, as always. Uh, sports talk. You know, we have hockey. We have PGA. Uh, what else is up? Uh, you rip off the stats here and, and some All hockey right, stuff. I got some NHL stats. Well, Tampa Bay leads the Montreal Canadiens in a, in a seven-game series, 3-1 to one at the moment. Um, Montreal just forced a game five, winning in overtime. Anderson scoring two goals. Big ones. Yeah, big goals. Keep the season alive. Um, what are your thoughts on that series? Yeah, I, I think we, we watched it last, well, two nights ago, I guess, now. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, Tampa Bay is so good. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see Montreal, you know, win in game five on the road. Can carry a price, you know, shut the door. The boys in, in Montreal score one early, score two early. You know, and Price shuts the door and, you know, send it back to game six at home yep. with 2,500 fans in the building and 34,000 outside, uh, besides the point. But <laughs> I really think Montreal could do it. But Tampa Bay, though, is so deep down the lineup. They're so deep, and they have so many rock stars, and their rock stars produce. That's... Nighty night out. Literally, yeah, that's, that's why they're on the verge of winning two in a row, right? And yeah. dominating, too. Yeah, they've they've dominated the whole playoffs. Um, you know, Montreal's kind of just they're just hanging in there, and they're they've done that the whole playoffs. You know what? They've just hung around, just grinded it out. They're they've just been a grit sandwich this whole playoffs, and now they're they're uh, their luck's running out. But I wouldn't be surprised if they forced a game six. You know, with the best goalie in the world, and the the way they play and the style that they play. Um, 
they're able to sneak a few out, and that's they've rode the wave, and that's that's why they're in the Stanley Cup playoffs right or Stanley Cup finals right now. Yeah. Okay, so who wins Game Five? Um, I'm hoping for uh, a Montreal win to go Game Six, but if Tampa wins, I'm not shocked at all. Yeah, I'm probably it's, the same boat as you there. Yeah, it's yeah. That's uh, the way it is. I don't hate it. What else you got? Um, fancy stat here. Tampa's got the top five point getters hmm. in the playoffs. Yeah, and one of the D men. One of the D-men, Victor Hedman. Ever and Victor Hedman, how about this stat that just came out a couple days ago? He's the first player to score in all 12 months of the year in the same year. Is that that's good? Not, yeah, that's <laughs> nuts. That will never be broken again unless we have another pandemic, which I hope we not. Yeah. I hope we don't unless I'm dead <laughs> I hope by the not. next time we have another one. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. They're they're the team. And like, like you said, we won't be shocked if Tampa Bay does win in Game Five. Yeah, uh, I think we're rooting for for Montreal. I mean, yep. I think they're I'm, they're a Canadian team. Them. It's been a long time that Canadian team has been in the Cup Final. What 2010 is the last one with the Canucks. Yep. So yeah, I mean, I guess have a game tonight as they play, right? So yeah, best of luck in uh, in in that game, both mm-hmm. teams. Uh, Rip, you want to talk some PGA? Yeah, we can go to PGA. What else you got? Um, Cam Davis. Winning the Rocket Mor- Rocket Mortgage Classic in the I think it was the fifth playoff hole hmm. against back to back weeks in playoff holes. Yeah, was it Troy Merritt? Troy Merritt. Troy Merritt. He beat um, Cam Davis shot an eighteen under. Hmm. Is that any good? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy, dude. And he had four chances to win in the first four playoff holes. Yeah. Oh yeah, he had. He wanted. He had a pot to win every playoff hole. And he just literally, by the fifth playoff hole, Merritt just... And, like, Merritt was making really good up and downs as we were watching the the replay. It just, by the fifth hole, he couldn't get that up and down. Yeah. And, like, Cam Davis just waited him out, basically, and just made pars until someone made a bogey. Yeah, I mean, let's look at the last two weeks of golf and PGA. What was it, two weeks ago was seven or six playoff holes? Or eight playoff holes? This week it's five, and now this week we're off to the John. Is it the John Deere? Yeah, it's the John Deere. Oh, what TPC a Deer Run. What attorney that is, eh? Yep. Who's your favorites in that one? Any favorites? Who's my favorites? Um, I, I don't even know he's know he's playing. Favorites, Jesus, cut this time out. <laughs> That's it. I don't know. We got Kevin Na, Zach Johnson. Um, Jason Duffner, that's a name. Legend. Yeah. Chucking bombs. Do you want to go to local golf talk now? Yeah, we'll go to local. All right, local golf talk. We can spend a little bit of time on this one. As we mentioned off the top of the show, Swift Current Saskatchewan is hosting. I can't find the year on it. It's on the page here, but the Saskatchewan amateur men's and mid-amateur men's and then the ladies as well. July 6th to 9th, it's championship week in Golf Sask. Uh, let's walk through the men's amateur first, this portion here. Some great scores today in day one. Weather was, I would say, stolen time today. I think I said that today to one of the officials that walked by. I said, hey, we're playing on stolen time. Yep. Um, Roman Timmerman, minus seven today. Yeah, that's a joke. 65. Yeah, is that any good? <laughs> 
So Roman shoots minus seven with a 65. Danny Kluger, you know, he's going to be in the mix. Minus four, 68. Ty Campbell, Chubbs, the the runner up, uh, the defending champ from last year, uh, minus three today, 69. And then yeah, that's it for the you know some great good, good golf by all the players this week so far in round one. Yep. Let's go to the men's uh, men's mid am. Danny Kruger in first. Michael Smith, minus two today, shooting 70. And our good friend, Molson sponsor, David Stewart, minus 171. So good playing thus far for those guys. And as I'm just trying to pull up the ladies here. Ladies, our hometown track, Schmitty, Alex Schmidt, plus two. Yeah, good playing today, Alex. Autumn Niesner at plus eight, firing a 80. And Ella Kozak. Also at plus eight eighty. So, you know, obviously it's day one. You can't win a golf tournament day one, but you definitely can lose it on day one. Absolutely. Uh, we got four more days of this. Hopefully, you know, I believe the men's is going to a twenty-five cut after day three. That's fifty-four holes, stack guy. Yep. So, <laughs> I'm excited. Like you know, I mean, we didn't even walk about our, our round today. I walked through our round. Yep. You know. You know what? I'll ask you questions here. What do right, you think up? about it? My, uh, my round today. Yeah. <laughs> How about we interview you? <laughs> All right, that's good. That's what good. Money you make a year before taxes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, my round today, you know, I think we had good vibes right from the morning. Yep. You know, our TV was buzzing. Yeah, we had good tunes going. Tunes were, it's been the same place we're playing 12 times today. <laughs> Love it. Not upset about it at all. But no, dropped the course, did my standard 20 minutes in the range, if that hit 700 yeah, wedges. Six balls. Yeah, like, I'm just different than everyone else. Yep. Anyways, that's okay. but. Like to spend a lot of time in the putting green, working the putts at a feel and the pace, and then you know I just want we had a game plan going into it. It was keep the ball in play, keep it in front of us, uh, you know, one shot at a time. You know, and I think this all kind of sounds cliche, but bucks in deep. Yeah, you know, but I think for me, in the past in events, it's trying to chase a number, right? And I think today we just went out and said, hey, let's just hit it here, hit it here, you know, just get good numbers and. You know, if I can't go for the green, let's lay up here. And, you know, we didn't lose the ball today. You know, we we played pretty smart. Yep. You know, the last two holes I had two really bad drives, two bad swings that led to a bogey and, and a double. So I ended up shooting one over and was two cheese going to 17. At the end of the day, you can't win a golf tournament day one, but you can lose it for sure. But I definitely don't think I'm out of it by any means. So, uh, you know, hopefully tomorrow and, and, you know, day three following, you know, I put up some low ones and good ones here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like Your I, thoughts, I guess. I think you played so well through the first 16 holes. And, like, together we worked really well. Yeah. Um, we had a game plan, like, from our first two practice rounds that we played together. But did going to 17, well, like, yesterday our last practice, or the last practice round before we played, dude, you went birdie eagle to end off the, end yeah. off the round, right? And, uh... We get to 17, wins heavy left to right, um, and they were intimidating tee shots. Like, I wasn't even shooting. I was, I was, my heart rate was going. And, I mean, everyone plays the same course, but, man, like, down that stretch, those were two tough holes to end off today. Even though they're very scorable, I think, they were, they played tough. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the one thing I, I walked up today for the first time in the six-hour round we had today. Um, and my feet are sore. <laughs> But yeah, like for the first time in that whole round, I was intimidated. 
And, and I shouldn't have because like, we hit the driver really well all week. Yep. Yeah, or all day, your sorry. Your ball striking was very good today. So I should have went up there and been confident. So at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is. You'll be confident on every swing. You know, just hit it. You know, I, I think we talked to Mitch on the putting green there, and he said, you know, we're trying to just pitch a shot and hit, and hit it. Yep. At the end of the day, it's going to go wherever, you know, hopefully it goes where you want it to go. But, you know, don't try and steer one. You know, downtown Dean Brown's always said that. By the way, happy birthday. Happy birthday to downtown. Brownie. Mr. 61. Is that any good? Yeah. So, yeah, that's round one recap. A lot of good players played well today. Roman, that like I said, <laughs> hell of a round, kid. Um, you know, Chubbs, Danny, everyone, Alex, uh, the, gals, the girl side of things as well. So, I'm excited to see the rest of the week. You know, we won't do another podcast live until next week. So, it should be kind of fun, though, going into, you know, next week's podcast. Yeah, it'll be great to talk about. And, uh, well, we'll have some interviews banked up by then, too. And we got a busy week here down in Speedy Creek. Yeah, we've already, like I said, we have done two or we've done two interviews locked in the till, dropping one today, which is a great interview. Um, you know, do you want to go into our guests? Or do we have more stuff, stuff to talk about? Um, we can talk about the rickshaws. Yeah, let's do rickshaws. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so. Pigeon. Yeah, pigeons. So when I was up in Stoon hanging out with my buddy Lender, friend of the show, he, uh, we were playing and I mean you've talked about this before off the record and he's pulling his rickshaw so as soon as I pull out my phone I, start, I video him pigeon <laughs> and, <laughs> so yeah so and I wanted to bring that up on a couple podcasts ago and I didn't I forgot about it but then this past week or last week playing with uh, one of my teammates Connor Chalk we were playing at the Wascana pigeon's pulling his rickshaw take out a video send it to you again Pigeon. Yeah. I remember it this time because it drives me nuts. It's called a push cart. Yeah. Push your cart. So for people who think pulling the rickshaws is acceptable, grow no. up. Yeah, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. Push it. Like, and, and I think we talked about this all the time off the record. Linda was carving me one day when I'm stiffening wedge shots to inches. Oh, you're wearing a glove around the green. You're, you're a pigeon. No. No. You pull your rickshaw. Oh. Sergio Garcia is a pigeon. No. <laughs> no, they got Sick. Big, Yeah, he makes a few sheets a year. So I do it out of comfort. Some guys are different. But I would never pull my rickshaw. Not and if I once. did, it's because I made 18 bogeys in a row. <laughs> well, you do say, you do talk about when when Brownie would make you. Yeah, I mean, like, if, 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 we had a, a if you had a bad hole, you have to pull a rickshaw for a hole. And, and, you know, that's you, 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 you feel shame. You feel shame. <laughs> you you sit in box for two minutes and you feel shame. So, yeah, you know, Rip says it's not acceptable. I don't. I'm different. I just don't like it, and I'm not a fan of it. So if you pull the rickshaw, um, don't do it. You know, maybe just play behind me. You know, we'll just change the groups or something. <laughs> just, so, just don't play near me. But uh, yeah, what else we got? You want to go on the guest now? Yeah, it's going to see balls. All right. So great guest on this week. We recorded with him two nights ago. Uh, from Ottawa, Ontario, huge wrestler fan. Uh, he's a guy that you'd formerly see him on Sports Center, Sportsnet, The Score with guys like Cabby Richard and Jerry D. Uh, James Sabalski. This guy is hilarious. He's funny. He does good stories about you know wrestling, the Masters in the 05 Masters. Um, you know, hanging out with Snoop, and he's the guy that you hear when you play NHL 20 and 21 on Xbox, PS5, or whatever console you have. We had a lot of fun with it. It was you and I. We ripped it off a couple nights ago. Uh, thoughts on the interview rip before we go into it? Um, 
I had a good time. Uh, I feel like every time we have a guest on, like, got, like we just get such such good guys, and you yeah. get to realize, you get to know their personalities and get to know them personally. Like I've heard James Sobolski over the last two years, as I play video games, he gets shelled online hockey, but <laughs> but like now I get to actually talk to him and meet him and listen to him chop onions while he's talking to us. But <laughs> <laughs> um, he had some good stories that you would never think you'd have like of him being at the old five masters and um him hanging out with snoop dogg for hours on end and the stories and the amount of hours that he put into commentating on these nhl video games is pretty cool yeah it's definitely an incredible interview so we don't want to spoil it for everyone but uh quickly before we send it over here i wanted to mention jayhan as troy calls him good listener of the show good friend of the show loves yep. the show Jay ontario Han. boy and he writes in the other day, just got back from a work tournament and shot a personal best of 78 on a par 70. Not a big deal. Finally broke 80. Dude, I love this stuff. Dude, J- J- Jeremy, congrats, man. First off, I love when people, like, break a career record. That That's, like, I'm so happy for him. I, I love that stuff. Yeah. I-, I don't know. Like, I mean. Dude, breaking 80 is a big deal for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, even, like, even us still. Yeah. We're amateur golfers. Like, I mean. You shoot over eighty, like you 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 feel shame. <laughs> you feel shame. You feel shame. You sit in box for two minutes <laughs> and feel shame. So, I I love those messages. I mean, if you're a player out there right now, that's you know maybe right maybe that's a question we do in the podcast. What's the number you want to shoot this year? What are you trying to shoot? Is it breaking eighty five? Is yeah. it breaking ninety? Is it breaking hundred? Like, is it breaking seventy? Like, I would love to talk about that stuff. How can we help? You know? Yeah. Maybe you and I. Well, can you hitting sh- flops so- shots on the chairs and divots. Sick. <laughs> that that may help. Mitts, soft mitts. Okay, we're going a little on here. Uh, everyone that's playing in days two and day three, best of luck. Hope to see you on Friday. Hopefully, I'm there. Hopefully, we're there. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Here is James Sebalski. Sea balls. Hope you guys enjoy it. Off the Hustle is proudly presented by Cutter and Buck Clothing. Cutter and Buck clothing is crafted for your active lifestyle, engineered for exceptional versatility, so it'll be perfect for work, work from home, travel, date night, golf, walking, boating, hiking, and entertaining. Their clothing is thoughtfully engineered with performance features like moisture wicking, stretch, UPF for sun protection, and with easy care and time-saving features such as durable collars, added spandex, and blended fabrics that are comfortable and stylish. Cutter and Buck shares their commitment to sustainability with their commitment to sustainable products, sustainable operations, and sustainable production. When you choose Cutter and Buck clothing, you are getting the genuine spirit of the Pacific Northwest. Check out Cutter and Buck on all their social media platforms. Alrighty, we are pleased to be joined by a guy that is born and raised in Ottawa, Ontario. Former color commentator for the Ottawa 67s, worked as a worked at Sports Center and the Score, and now is currently the voice you hear when you play. The NHL 21. We're pleased to have on James Sabalski. Uh, James, thanks for jumping on the podcast, man. Thanks for having me. Talk about quite the list of employers that I have fooled into hiring me over the years. <laughs> well, I mean, that's probably that's a good thing, though. I mean, that means you're you're good at a lot of things. <laughs> well, I'm good at selling snake oil. How about that? <laughs> All right, James. Let's uh, you know, first off, what's new with you? How are things, man? Uh, I, I know we talked, you know, over the last six months here, but we finally have you on the show. Just, uh, you know, walk us through what's going on with you. Well, just keeping busy. Uh, 
you know, it's summertime, so the kids are out of school now, and uh, so now the, the, the main priority is to try to find a way to keep them occupied. Uh, it's still a little different getting used to the fact that the NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup is being played in July, and um, yeah, it's kind of downtime for the video game, so uh, yeah, just finding a little bit of me time as uh, we are in a, uh, it's been a, quite the heat wave to start the summer here out in British Columbia. Yeah, it's been hot. Right now, we're on the road right now in Swift Current, Saskatchewan, but back home and, and I guess across the province here, it's been 35 and no win for the last six days. So 26 today felt like it was minus four in uh, in Saskatchewan. So <laughs> It's funny. It's funny. We had the same thing this morning. It was like waking up and there was a breeze coming off the water here where we are, and, and it was like, oh kind of cold yeah. <laughs> throwing a sweater my, my wife essentially had well she had sweats on this morning for about a half an hour until she was back in shorts for all of her zoom meetings but, uh, yeah it was uh i think a little breeze in the air felt like 20 degrees felt like oh we needed this to cool down <laughs> All right, James, uh, as we always do in this podcast, we like to backtrack things, you know, walk us through, you know, a, a young James Sabalski growing up in Ottawa. Uh, I know that you must have a lot of things going on as a youngster because, I mean, you're still playing video games now, but, you know, walk us through a, a young James Sabalski. Oh, man, where to begin? Um, lousy athlete and love to talk. That would probably be a, be a nutshell. But, uh, no, you know, my dad was a huge sports fan, so sports were on a lot uh, when I was a kid. My dad was also very active playing a lot of sports. Uh, you know, he played, uh, my dad was a police officer, so he, he played in, in the police league. Um, and so every Saturday he would play you know, against, uh, you know, in the winter he played, you know, played hockey, and in the summer he played baseball or fast pitch, if you will. And, um, but, man, pol- the police league in the 70s was intense. It was – now, I guess it's probably always been intense police league because I remember when I lived in Toronto, there was a rink down the street from me, and uh, I remember the uh, the guy who ran the rink, I remember him telling me, he's like, there's only one group we've ever had to ban from uh, from this arena, and it's, uh, it's the Toronto police. So, uh <laughs> I think there's a reputation maybe with cops get a little aggressive and take all their frustrations on villains out. They take it out amongst each other. But my dad would play Saturday mornings at an arena called Sandy Hill Arena, which was in downtown Ottawa. And, man, like in those days, the glass, you know, the plexiglass was low. And pucks would be just whistling into the crowd left, right, and center. And, and there would be fights. Like fights on Saturday mornings, right? Nine, ten o'clock in the morning. And here are these cops that walk the beat together just punching the crap out of each other. And so it was kind of, as a kid, somewhat terrifying initially going, well, I don't want to play hockey. This is, what is this? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and so it was a little, I was a little gun shy initially. And then, you know, eventually found my way and played minor hockey for about 10 years or so. And, um, you know, it was definitely a, a love, just fascinated by the stats. Loved going into the box scores of the newspapers as a child. Checking your stats out. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, I, I loved, I mean, I was a huge, my stats, exactly. Always finding out that I was a minus four every game. But <laughs> just, you know, obviously I was a huge Wayne Gretzky fan. I had an aunt um, who lived in Edmonton, and when I was about five, she had sent me a a hat and a scarf and some mitts uh, and it just happened to be Wayne Gretzky's first year in the NHL and you know it was just kind of hooked from there um, 
you know, when it just the protest started, uh, you know, I, I, you know, check the box scores for Wayne Gretzky's numbers each and every day. And, and in those days, my God, the Oilers were putting up, you know, eight, nine goals every night, it felt like. And, you know, and I was a huge Gary Carter fan as well. So I was looking at the Montreal Expos, uh, you know, box scores and seeing what Gary Carter had done the night before as well. Because, you know, not every one of those games were on those days. So yeah, uh, that was kind of me and falling in love with sports at a young age and, uh, love listening to Vince Scully on um, you know Saturday baseball games on NBC and you know became a big Bob Costas fan and you know and I was you know and when Ron McLean came on the scene man I, you know and I w- was lucky enough to work with Ron for a few years and you know I was a huge Ron McLean fan as well uh, and I was also a big wrestling nerd and so I was you know in addition to you know looking up to the guys like Howard Cosell and and Marv Albert and Vince Scully and and Ron McLean, I was also a massive uh, wrestling fan. So I loved Gorilla Monsoon and Mean Gene Okerlund, right? So, you know, I think a lot of my excitement uh, probably was influenced partly by just being a wrestling nerd as well. And so that kind of helped shape me along the way. And at some point, I, I recognized pretty quickly that this is the path I wanted to go and follow as a, as a sports broadcaster. And, you know, I was lucky enough to kind of pursue that dream and, and, uh, and kind of live it out. Well, before we talk about that more in the broadcasting side of things, um, we were doing some homework before because we always do. Um, if you were a wrestler, yeah, would would you... <laughs> trust me? We're grinding over here, uh, James. If you were a wrestler, would your name be Seaballs? You know, I always thought of myself as a, you know when I was younger. I always thought my gimmick would be Gentleman James. <laughs> You'd be the good guy, hey. I, I feel, no, you know, it's funny. I, I think I'd always, you know, I think I'd always thought the idea. I think a lot of, I don't know if it's, you know, I think people that kind of naturally come across as nice people, I think I'd like to think of myself as a nice guy, but I don't know. I feel like I'd like to be somewhat heelish, you know, come out, dress up kind of like the old million dollar man, tear away tuxedo with <laughs> a little pomp and with a little swag and, and just kind of be that sort of, you know, full of hot air type of guy. I think that's how I kind of saw myself. Seaballs didn't come until much later uh, as, I, as I became an adult. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, may, maybe. I mean, I think that's how so many people know me now. And so I feel like it would be the gimmick I would inherit. But if it was my call initially, I always saw myself as Gentleman Jim or Gentleman James, which is sort of heelish, pompous sort of uh, villain. That's not a bad name either. Uh, James, I want to talk quickly here about your hockey career. Uh, you played for the Glowcaster. That'd be pretty short. <laughs> <laughs> the Glowcaster Cougars. Uh, first off, did I say that right? And two, walk us through your. You just mentioned your short career. Uh, you know what, uh, Gloucester. First off, thanks. Um, so yeah, it was actually for for years, for most of my playing days, it was the uh, Gearable Flyers, and then eventually the Minor Hockey Association merged with North Gloucester. So. Uh, we became known as Gloucester Center, essentially, as the two hockey associations converged. Um, well, you know what? I, I played about nine years. I was I was a forward for um, almost all of them. Um, hands of stone, decent skater. Uh, I think I would totally be described as an energy line type guy. I, I, nice. I, Need those guys. I was a decent 
Yeah, I was I was a decent skater. I wasn't overly physical, uh, so you know. Uh, um, but you know, I, I, I like to think of somebody uh, myself. My dad always kind of preached back checking and hustle, and so I think I smart man. Myself, uh, I think I, I found myself a role on a team. I was definitely not the guy you'd look to to say, "Hey, look, we need a goal," you know, or "Hey, you know what? You'd be a great playmaker." Um, but you know, I, I certainly found a role for myself, and, and uh, yeah, just always tried to hustle. I tried to skate hard. I always liked to try to consider myself as. Um, I always liked to, you know, especially when I was younger, I, I you know, kind of loved the idea of a race or like a hundred meter dash. I was always fascinated from an Olympic standpoint. So, um, in that in that sense, I always tried to want to be at least one of the faster guys. Not to say I was, but. I yeah. like the idea of trying to be, you know, try to be quick and yeah, played, uh, you know, generally mostly house league hockey for, for the bulk of it. So I was never on any scouts radar in any way, shape or form, but, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I had fun for, for a few years and, and then eventually, uh, I think my last season of minor hockey, we were, you know, we kind of won the league championship and that was kind of nice. And remember it was like uh, you know, kind of the end of the game it was like all right you know i think it's time to go before i start working as a part-time guy somewhere and that was kind of uh that was kind of it like i kind of recognized that i wasn't going to be drafted yeah so that was that okay well then that leads into my next question here when did you really start to uh, you know figure out hey like you know broadcasting school one but then two like once you're there hey like i could you know be do a full-time job with this and be really successful uh, you know what, I, I think for me, I don't know if I ever thought, hey, I can be really good here, but, you know, I, for, in high school, they had something called a co-op workplace, uh, where you could get a couple of credits, yeah. um, by kind of, you know, working in a, you know, wherever, right? If, you know, you wanted to be a mechanic, you get in a garage, you want to be a, you know, a cop, maybe you got a job placement working in, you know, uh, you know, police station doing stuff or whatever that looked like, but, um, so I, I got in working, and I, I wanted to do something at more like the local television station, like the CTV affiliate there, which is then known as CJOH. And I wound up getting in at commu- Rogers Community Television. And, you know, the, the stigma around community television 30 years ago was, you know, it was basically Wayne's World, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I got in there, and, you know, it, it turned out to be one of the best things for me. Uh, I just, it was like, hands-on experience doing everything and you know they were looking for i got in a little late and um they were looking for a play-by-play guy to do and i wanted to do on-air stuff and so i thought i was doing all the on behind the scenes stuff but i wanted to try on air and so they were looking for a play-by-play guy for a boxing tournament uh, with the Canada Cup boxing tournament in 1992. So I was 17 at the time, and it was a pre-Olympic boxing tournament before the Barcelona game. Yeah. And uh, I asked, I had asked the producer, uh, a guy who kind of ran sport, live events and sports division there, and I said, hey, you know, you got some of these off. Send me an audition. And, uh, you know, but at 17 in those days, you know, almost 30 years ago, they didn't realize it's really tough to kind of how to put it together a demo reel at that age, right? Like, yeah, you know, it's not like you had access to editing and audio, video equipment, and all that. So, you know, I, I, I scrambled and I, I went home and I basically popped in a, you know, a, 
my VHS tape at home of um, WrestleMania six with Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, and um, you know, and just called, uh, you know, basically called that match because I took a tape recorder and put it next to uh, next to me, and I, I you know called this ten minute match and sent it to him, and of course he never listened to it. And, <laughs> Shocker. You know, so a few days goes by, and I said, you make a decision. He's like, uh, you know, oh, I haven't listened to it. And we were, I was driving with the producer to go set up um, for this uh, for this event. And, you know, we were going to, you know, set up the cameras and all the technical, uh, you know, gear behind the scenes. And he says to me on the drive over in the, you know, kind of the, the cup of the truck, he says, all right, uh, there's a guy named Smith in the blue corner and, uh, you know, some Russian name in the red corner, uh, call it. So here I am, 17, you know, just you know, improvising on the fly in a, in, a, in a van in traffic and just kind of, you know, tried to fake it as you make it. And um, he loved it. You know, he just started, I know, and so here I was like, all right, here we go, get rid of the opening round, and both men come out, oh, that's a great idea, open one, two, one, two, oh, you know, just calling this, like, you know, 30 seconds of drama, and they loved it, uh, the producers, he's like, all right, you got the gig, be ready to go Saturday, and they're going to do it, and it was like, oh, wow, cool, and so, I get it, uh, I, I that is incredible, terrified, that's funny, may have actually crapped my pants on the actual day of and, um you know called the event had a pretty good time and it was it was fascinating because looking back you know one of the eventual heavyweight champions in the world was on that boxing card a guy named chris bird not exactly a memorable heavyweight champion but he, he did what he was for a brief while and in the mid 90s and so i had that opportunity and and uh, yeah i just continued to volunteer you know, helping out with 67 teams and going to college and, and having a chance to do some play-by-play for the Ottawa 67s. And, uh, you know, we did it, went on the road and, you know, traveled around with the, the legendary Brian Kilray, who was, you know, the general manager and the head coach yeah. of that team around that era. And, um, just an absolute hockey legend. And so learned a lot of tough love from him, but really kind of helped shape me too. And, uh, you know, and, and along those ways, I, I it just – continue to go so you know i was going to school and i would continue to volunteer to you know do sideline reporting for you know university football games or basketball games or you know a play-by-play for ring ad and uh just karate tournaments anything i could to get my reps in and i thought you know as people started to see me and i had a i got a gig as a host on a, a weekly ottawa senators series called overtime that's when people really started, I think, to take notice and started to see that, hey, you know, I see on TV and, you know, kind of with the NHL rub and, um, you know, and I wasn't making really much money because I was, you know, working weekends at a, you know, classic rock station, but, you know, still living at home, but, but starting to kind of put together a decent body of work where I thought, okay, you know what, maybe there's, maybe there's a shot here and um, recognizing that I'm probably going to have to leave town in order to really kind of take that next step and, and eventually it did. That's incredible. So, wow. James, so you go to school in Algonquin College. Am I saying that right? Algonquin. Well, you guys, you guys are failing Ottawa uh, <laughs> local uh, areas. We don't get out of the We don't get out of the province much. Yeah, we've been in a lockdown for three years here. <laughs> so, 
you guys got to go further. You got to go a little further east than uh, current, I think. <laughs> so you you graduated from uh, the radio broadcasting program, but uh, yep. was that the only college you were going to, or do you think about going to any other schools? No, you know what? I I didn't really think. I you know, and maybe just because of where I was at the time in life, I, I you know, I look at so many people and, and you know, I see kids in my neighborhood or well not kids, but you know, young adults that are, go off to school and you know, so many people that leave home or even, you know, look at junior hockey and people that go off to uh, you know, across the country to go to school and you know, at a, a young age. I just wasn't mature enough for that. And maybe I didn't think big enough, but I was, you know, I, I went to the school that was local. And so I went to Algonquin because it was in Ottawa. And I lived in Ottawa and I still lived at home. And, and that was that. And so, you know, I'd kind of do my school day and, you know, take an hour bus ride there, an hour bus ride back. And that was that. And, um, yeah, I, I think the idea of, sure, I, I think I watched enough movies that kind of, romanticize what the university and the college party life is all about but i definitely wasn't mature enough and i certainly wasn't ready for me and i you know everybody's different right and you know i got friends of mine that were junior hockey players that left home at 15 i wasn't there and yeah i don't think i i I don't think i i saw big picture enough yet and it wasn't until i was in my 20s where i was like okay you know what i i i want to i want to explore the world here yeah that's fair uh, James, I have a question here for you, and and I know that you had a stint or worked quite some time with the score. Um, walk us through your days working for the score, and I know guys like you know yourself and Jerry D and uh, Cabby Richards, those guys got a lot of their starting gigs from working there. Uh, walk us through working at, at the score. Um, eight years of my life um, had uh, just an incredible experience, and you know, formed relationships with people that, um, you know, I'm still friends with today. Actually, one of my best friends that I grew up with, he actually, uh, he left Ottawa, you know, about a year after I had moved, and um, not e- actually not even, and he just, you know, was at that point in his life, was like, I think I need a change, and it's time to cut the wings from home, and, you know, I was able to get him a job with, uh, you know, at the store, and, you know, and now he's like, you know, I believe he's now the head of, uh, you know, one of the heads for graphic design and uh, at Rogers and the media side wow. for television. And so he's done very well for himself for a guy who, you know, rented out movies uh, at the local video store for he owes you one. a couple of years, right? Yeah, he owes you um, one. But he, uh, yeah, yeah, no, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, to have a really good friend like that, uh, you know, in those early years and you know, I left home for the school, I left Ottawa, and then I, you know, I left Toronto for Vancouver, and, you know, to, to work with the likes of, you know, Elliot Friedman, and, um, you know, Cabby, and Tim, and Sid, and, uh, yeah, I mean, just the list goes on and on with so many good people that, uh, you know, to work with, and see so many people have great success, guys behind the scenes as well. Yeah. Um, just uh, you know, it was an opportunity for all of us. You know, the score did not have a big budget. They had to, they had to be creative. You know, a guy named Anthony Shoney was kind of the, the guy in charge, and he was the guy who saw something in me to, to give me an opportunity. And, and so many of us opportunities at the time that you know 
we probably wouldn't have gotten elsewhere, but I was 23 when I started at the store. Wow. Um, you know, we were all kids, but we were all ourselves. Like, you know, we were given that creativity to just kind of find our way. And that's how it kind of worked out for us in a lot of ways, you know, being at the store because, you know, we, we did our, you know, we did our work and, um, you know, for me, as I, you know, I keep coming back to wrestling, but, you know, I had a lot of wrestling references in those days, kind of late nineties and the stone cold and the rock and, you know, using all those drops and, you know, Sarah had all the SNL drops in his, and, you know, and, and Tim McAuliffe was so ahead of his time, you know, all the hip hop, uh, you know, that he worked into, you know, his highlight packs and, you know, Steve Coolius had his own energy and style and, yeah. um, it just, the list goes on and on and, um, you know, it was, each, you know, everybody, and, and, you know, it was a fun competitiveness in the sense that, you know, I think guys rooted for each other for the most part. Um, and at the same time, you, you know, you kind of wanted to outdo each other. Who was going to get, who was going to have the pack that was going to pop the, the other guy, right? So, you know, you, you know, you, you, whatever highlight pack you had, you just wanted to, you wanted to be better. You wanted to yeah. have the best pack and it wasn't. And it wasn't, it wasn't in, a, in, a, in an asshole way. It was in a way that, you know, okay, I, I, I want to make you laugh kind of thing. And that was sort of the, almost like the goal and the ambition half the time to, uh, to try to pull off. So it was such a, it was such a fun environment and energy for, for those early years because we were kids. Like, we yeah. Were so at the time that, you know, to get that opportunity and um, it really kind of, gave us a chance to fly um, and, and to kind of see where, like, you, you look at the success, um, you know, Martine, Dyer, uh, you know, as I mentioned, you know, Elliot, and, um, you know, Tim and Sid and just so many others, the list goes on and on and across the country, you know, you know, even other ones, uh, Sarah Orleski, and, you know, Patricia Bowles, um, yeah, I mean, I could continue to go on, but it's, it's remarkable to see how many people are in great positions and that's just from an on-camera standpoint never mind how many people you know behind the scenes that are yeah you know lead directors behind the scenes in the industry like don landis and, you know glenn mcdonald and brian spear one of the top producers for hockey Night in canada so yeah it's, it's been it's been interesting that's for sure yeah that's awesome that's crazy uh james i do want to talk and i believe it's coming up well this this new year will be 12 years if my math is correct wasn't very good at math in school, but the 2010 Vancouver Olympics, uh, you were there covering uh, some of the sports there and whatnot. You know, walk us through that experience in, in itself. You know, I, I, I like it a lot to as somebody who grew up in Ottawa, um, Canada Day. Uh, Canada Day was a big event growing up. July 1st in Ottawa, you get about a quarter of a million people that would converge on Parliament Hill. And, um, you know, faces painted red and white and the maple leaf here, there, and everywhere, and people wearing red and white. It's just a euphoria and celebratory and this love. And, yeah. you know, obviously this country's, you know, trying to come to recognizing its own past failures and awful past in, in a lot of ways, too. And, you know, and rightly so, that we need to, you know, recognize what's been happening. But, you know, the point is, is that Canada Day was a special day for me growing up as a child and we uh, you know and, and the best way I would describe the Olympics here in Vancouver was Canada Day for two and a half weeks it was just an absolute party 
Bender. And it was so much fun. It was a lot of work, but you know, even even for myself personally, and you know, it was it was not about me, but my God, walking down the streets and the jackets that they had for all of the broadcasters, you know, the broadcasters. You know, I think a lot of people associated us as being part of the Olympic team. And yeah. So, it was probably the one time in my life I really kind of felt like a rock star walking down the street, and uh, it was it was humbling, it was fun, and um, you know, without question, one of the most incredible work experiences uh, I've ever had. It was fun. You know, I was fortunate enough to be assigned to the long track speed skating uh, event, which was at the Richmond Oval, and it was. You know, Canada had a ton of great stories. You know, Clara Hughes was kind of winding down her career. And, you know, Canada was fortunate enough to medal a lot. And, yeah, just, uh, just all of it. I had a really good time with that event. Did you go watch the the gold medal game, the hockey game, Canada versus USA? I was stuck on an airplane. You're kidding. Brutal. No. I oh. So I was supposed to. So my event had wrapped up. Uh, early and I hadn't really paid much attention to the schedule outside of my own world at the time and I remember getting a call about a week before the games wrapped up and it was the production manager who said listen um, the games wrap your, your event wraps up a, a day or so early uh, we need somebody back in Toronto for uh, to host that hockey are you okay with doing that on the Monday yeah, no problem, sure. And so, not what do you think? So they're like, okay, well, we're going to book your flight and you're going to head it home on Sunday. It's like, yeah, oh, sounds good. Yeah, yeah no problem. Oh. Well, my flight was scheduled for, I think it was for 3 o'clock um, that, Saturday, that Sunday afternoon. Well, as I kind of get closer to, I recognize, like, you know, and the crappy thing was, is like, Somebody else had asked me, they said, hey, listen, can, we'd like to have you on the floor in the stadium during the closing ceremonies with the Olympic team just to kind of, you know, get a feel for the energy. And I was, oh, my God, that sounds amazing. Oh, wait a minute. I'm booked to call home uh, a day early. Uh, I can if somebody wants to change my flight, and they're like, oh, don't worry. We'll find somebody else. So it's like, first, it's like, shit, that would have been fun. <laughs> and, then, and then realizing that, okay, my flight's now at the, you know, I'm looking at the oh, okay, well, the game will be over in time for my flight to leave. Well, not thinking overtime, right? And so now I'm at the airport sitting around trying to find a comfortable, you know, finding a TV half decent to watch this game that the entire country is fixated on. I'm basically saying to myself, how in the hell did I get stuck here? You know, why we are right now having to deal with this? And so I watched the first period of my room. Uh, at the hotel, race to the airport for the second and third period, and now we're going into overtime, and it's shit. Now what? <laughs> and of course, like, okay, final boarding. You know, well, this plane's going to leave. And honestly, you don't want to get stuck without a flight trying to get out of an Olympic city because having done it, I've seen it. It's a, it's a nightmare. Yeah. And so you take your seat when you can, when you've got it. And so I get on the plane, and I'm I'm. Uh, struggling with the, this is this is awful. Like I gotta, you know, what's gonna happen here? So I get on the plane. We're sitting on the tarmac for a couple of minutes, waiting to take off. And I, you know, like everybody, everybody, you know, and 
I picked up my phone and I called my parents. It was the only thing I could think of. I was like, I gotta call my parents. I said, put the phone to the TV. I need to listen to what's going on. And, uh, so they had some friends over and they put the TV, uh, they put the phone next to the TV. And thankfully, before the you know, the plane got off the ground, the uh, they scored. All of a sudden, it's terrible. All the screaming from my family. And they're like, Crosby scored. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> let out a little yell and. Crosby, and then you know, there was a few people kind of clapping and cheering, and the pilot got on, and you know, as the country went into euphoria, the plane went off the ground, and you know, it was basically the quietest part of the country for the next five hours on a flight across the country while everybody was just getting absolutely shit paced. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable. That's what a great is, story. That is. Wow. Wow. I'm yeah, a... I don't know. If, I don't know if it's an envious. I don't know if it's an envious position to be in from, from that seat, but uh, but it was certainly a memorable one that day. All right, James. We have a few more questions here before we go into our segment called "Questions from the Gallery." First, well, I have two more, and then Rip might have one, and then we'll go into our segment. But this one here, I have tons of questions about. Um, you're the new voice of the last two NHL EA Sport games. Uh, first, how did you get that role? And, you know, first, how's it going, I guess? So, second, second, how's it going? Um, I, 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 I guess I'll let the consumers be the judge of how it's going. Um, I think it's going all right. It's, uh, you know, as somebody who played the game, um, you know, especially in those early, you know, incarnations in the, in the, uh, in the mid-'90s, NHL 94 and NHL 95, and, you know, I think it's you know, as you play, you, you, you come in, you come out of, of, of the game when you've got a game that comes out every year. You know, so you play 94, 95, check out for a couple of years, you're back in 98, and, uh, you know, back in 2002, uh, 2004, 2007, still coming and going and playing. And uh, a couple of years ago, about three years ago, they were, uh, I, I got word that they were, looking for a new broadcast team um, for the video game. So I, you know, I asked if I could get an audition and they got me one. And, um, you know, and it sounded like they were going through a, a number of different people from, you know, all across, uh, across the country and, uh, you know, parts of the U.S. and come up for auditions. And, um, yeah, I had gone in. I was actually... We had, we were taking the family for a trip to Maui that actual afternoon, and so I got off my radio show I was doing at the time and went over to the studios uh, for Electronic Arts in, in Burnaby, here in British Columbia, just outside a suburb of Vancouver, and uh, gone into the audition. Um, that was, uh, and yeah, it was, I was, I, you know, they basically said, here, call what you see, and, you know, and just do whatever you can. You know, not a lot of preparation, just felt like you see it, and, and so I did. And I, I, I know I noticed that there were a couple of times that a couple of the producers and the editors were kind of chuckling a few times, thinking, "All right, I'm making these guys laugh." Or, you know, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I, you know, left the room kind of thinking, uh, "I think that went well," and uh, you know, and, and then didn't hear anything for a month. I was scrambled to go catch a flight to, to Hawaii. And, um, and then didn't hear anything for a month. And to be as silly as it sounds, I kind of forgot about it for a bit. And then got an email uh, that said, "Hey, listen, just, uh, just an FYI, uh, we have, uh, you know, we've shortened our list, and you've, you've made the shortlist." 
you know, we should have a decision in the next week to 10 days. And it was like, oh, right. Like, <laughs> that's cool. Or seat at the table. And, and then nothing for a month. And so we kind of thought, well, no, well, I guess it's nice to be considered. And, um, <laughs> and then, hey, we'd, we'd like to schedule a chemistry test with another talent to, to come in for this day. It's like, oh, here we go. And, you know, who do I run into in the parking lot? It's Ray Ferraro. And it's like, oh, my God, Ray, this is so cool. You know, and, and so here's Ray and I, uh, you know, together for about 10 minutes there. And um, and they said, all right, thanks. That was good. And didn't hear anything again for another month. And uh, another month goes by. And, and Snoop Dogg walked out. <laughs> Oh, Snoop, yeah, yeah, Snoop had, a, had a big bag of herb, and he said, "Come <laughs> hang out with me." And, um, no, he just, uh, no, I got another, I got another email, and they said, "Look, we need you to come back one more time." And, and now, at this point, for a third audition, it was like, "Holy, this is this is serious." Here, yeah. And, and, now, and now I've got that knot in my stomach where I really wanted, where I, you know, it's kind of carefree. And like it'd be really cool, but. I'm not going to get my hopes too high, and now I want it because it's the third time in, so I'm thinking this is serious. And yeah, I just went in, and they said, all right, uh, you know, we, we like what we hear, and we'll let you know in a week. And it was probably the longest friggin' week of my life. <laughs> and uh, finally got that call, and, you know, as, as I mentioned in the outset here, as, as somebody who grew up playing the game, um, to, to get that call, and, you know, I've done some pretty cool stuff in my life and yeah. cool stuff in my career, but man, like to get that call from Sean Ranjag Singh, one of the executives over at EA, to, to say, hey, we'd like for you to be the voice of NHL 20, that was, uh, I'm not going to lie, man, I kind of, I kind of welled up, and that was definitely one of the coolest things that I never thought I would ever think happened. But clearly, all those years of thinking quarters in an arcade machine. <laughs> that's awesome that, that's so cool so you get the role now um give us a rough rough estimate of like how many hours you put into this so were you just like reading off scripts or and your checks yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly no i you know what I, I i contracted to do somewhere in the neighborhood of about 250 to 300 hours a year jesus and um wow yeah, and so there's a lot of fresh content that, you know, we've been able to kind of put into the game. And, um, you know, I've been doing that for the last, you know, several years. And um, it's, it's been pretty cool to, uh, to kind of get to this point. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, so I, I think in the last couple of years we've had about, I'm going to say probably somewhere between this, on, on my end alone, probably close to, you know, I'd probably if you added Ray and I together, it was probably about seven hundred hours of content. Holy, you know, that's nuts! Involved. So, you know, um, you know, and it's funny, it's, you know, for for the for the hardcore gamer, it's never enough. But you know, I I think for I think most people have appreciated what we've been doing, and um, yeah, so usually it works out to a couple times uh, a week, you know, for about four or five hour sessions, and you know, obviously we've been working virtually for the last. Uh, year and a half or so and uh, just trying to the sound is good and, and really try to bring the energy and I think that's partly what you know got me the, the, the position that I'm in you know to begin with to have that sort of energy and excitement level that I that I've kind of brought to the, to the video game and I think you know you're not going to please everybody but I think most people have kind of 
got a sense or got the idea of you know what I've tried to project. And, and I think it's been been well received for the most part. Well, first I think it's cool. So does Turner, but the one question I have, and it's yeah, it's super cool. I have one main question. I've always wanted this ever ever since they came out when I started playing the game is how do you know when to say each person's name? Obviously, like, you're calling a game, like, oh, George Thornton over to Marlowe and Marlowe over to whatever. Like, because obviously, like, if I pick the Oilers versus the Leafs, like, your voice is obviously calling those guys' names. Like, how, just walk us through that like, that whole thing, how that works. Yeah, so, yeah, so basically, like, I sit in the studio until uh, you turn on the game. And then once you start to play, they kind of they send me a, a you know a little text, and then it's like, okay, here you got to call this game live for for Turner in the game. So, um, no, you know, in all seriousness, that'd be uh, sick though if you did so that, so calling much. three million games a day. <laughs> you know, at some point, it probably will be the future, right? But um, but I, I would say that for we have a really really good audio engineering uh, and editing that makes uh, both Ray and I sound like we know what we're talking about. You know, at least me, anyway. Ray knows what we're talking about. But what they do is, well, we, we call them stitches. And so we'll do, I think we've got probably over 1,500. Well, actually, no, I'm going to say that we've added about 1,500 just this past year alone. Um, so... You know, there's a, you know, there's there's different ways. You have to stay consistent on your on your intonation and your and your voice, right? So, yeah, you don't want it to sound like some old '90s, you know, phone, uh, you know, automated phone service where it's hello and welcome, five, eight, five, two, five. So you you want it to kind of see the the flow seamlessly. So, you know, my my start is. You know, so I've already got a high energy level, but it's, it's uh, you know, passes the puck to Smith, passes the puck to Turner, passes the puck to Drew, passes the puck to Mike, passes, you know, and so it, it, you want to make sure that it's going to flow. <laughs> How good was that, so, by the way? <laughs> yeah, and so they, they have me read, um, you know, the, the sort of intonations with, with the person's name to start and then, you know, or, or Moves the puck over to Thornton. Moves the puck over to Marlowe. Moves the puck over to Crosby. Moves the puck over to McDavid. Here's a shot by McDavid. Here's a pass by Crosby. And That's unreal. Oh, there goes Kosher toe-picking again. <laughs> <laughs> and but for each each name, it has to it has to flow. And so they actually edit it at a certain point as I'm flowing through the conversation naturally, and then they'll stop. Um, and they'll and they'll add that edit point where it doesn't sound like it's edited, and so uh, we do that for you know what uh, I'm going to say. You know, we added even names that aren't even in the National Hockey League or the minors or junior. We've got you know, a couple thousand that are you know pro hockey players, and then you know we've added hundreds and hundreds uh, of, of names. And especially as we've evolved from a diversity standpoint for people with the game. Yeah. That, you know, Sabalski was a tough name for for people to pronounce, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And now Sabalski feels like a really easy name compared to, 
you know, so many other nations. And, yeah. You know, as, as we become more diverse as a nation, you know, obviously Canada's, you know, a big hockey hotbed, but as America gets more diverse, as the rest of the world becomes more diverse and more connected, you know, we want to be reflective of that. So we've really tried to make a point of adding, you know, names that, um, that, that reflect, you know, society and diversity. And I'll tell you, it's been really rewarding. Look, I never thought I'd see the day that my name would be in a video game. It's like when you're a kid and you go to a store and you see, like, the coffee mug or the water bottle with your name on it. And, you know, you never found your name. Yeah. Um, and I want to I wanna make sure that those names are, are in there, you know. And um, I, I want to make sure that, you know, if we have an opportunity to do that, you know, let's, let's make sure we can. So... Um, you know, I, I, we're not going to get every name, but, you know, we certainly try our best to try to incorporate it as many as we can along the way. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That, that's super cool how you just, like, obviously your voice is, like, when we hear it in the game. But I've always wondered how, like, how that you guys do that. I mean, you guys sit there for, like, 24 days straight and rip off every player. But that's cool, though. That's uh, Super interesting. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, it's it's uh, there are some days where it's like, okay, you find out how sausage is made, and then you've got some days <laughs> where, uh, you know, we have a lot of creativity. You know, I I really love the sessions working with Ray. Ray is so quick on his feet, and he's got so much personality that it just makes it easy to kind of blow off a guy uh, of that talent. And um, you know, it it challenges me to keep up and and me to try to be as quick as I can on my feet. Uh, those are fun, the two-man sessions, and now Carlin Bays, uh, who's part of the broadcast team as well, and she's got lots of personality just, you know, ready to explode with. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a fun group, and, and we have an opportunity to kind of play and, you know, I don't want to say spar, but, you know, just kind of, you know, kind of have a chance to, to just play along together. It's, uh, those are really fun voice sessions, and you know, we, we focused a lot on the be a pro mode this past year for NHL 21. And, you know, some of those, some of the voice callers, they're, they're all friends of mine. Uh, Carolyn Cameron was one of the voices who, you know, it's obviously on Sportsnet uh, Central and uh, Hockey Central as well. And, um, she was one of the voices, uh, you know, and a couple of other good friends of mine uh, for that have been friends for years. Um, so it's fun. You can kind of play off of yeah. you're, 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 you're You're kind of a character but you're also having some fun and, and uh, try to bring a, a sense of realism, but there's also playfulness too, so it's, it's cool. Alrighty, James, let's go into some golf talk now. Let's walk us through your golf game. Do you even play golf, first off? Not enough. Uh, you know what? I, I've tried to start playing a little more in the last couple of years, but, you know, for me, um, I, I need to take lessons. Like, for me, a good round would be probably uh, shooting uh, probably a buck. Okay. All right. Coach can work with that. I, I can work with that. We, we, can, we can figure it out. <laughs> you, guys, you guys can fix me? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, we can. We'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, you know what? For, you know what? Like, for me, you know, for me, it's just, you know, I, I've, I traveled for a long time. Yeah. Then when I was home, it was hard to justify, you know, for the longest time, like when I lived in Toronto, um, you know, trying to get to a golf course from where I was living in the city, it wasn't easy for, you know, you're looking at 45 minutes at least to an hour, but, you know, when you factor in, um, 
you know, you're four and a half hours yeah. around. Um, They're long days. Well, it just, you know what, it, it, it works out to be a very long day. And, and with young kids, it, it's tough to justify those days. Um, you know, I don't think I was ever passionate enough about the sport when I was younger to play it and, and play well. And I think, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I, I got in about probably seven or eight rounds and I started to get that itch for a little bit. COVID's kind of COVID's hunkered it down in the sense that it's such a great sport to be outside, but man, like just the demand to play the sport has gone through the roof. It's incredible. Uh, COVID's probably been one of the best. Like, on it, well, and here's a good for, for the sport that, look, I mean, golf has felt like a dying sport for the last several years. And you look at the cost of membership, and, um, you know, and, and who's the, uh, who is the clientele and who's the audience that was playing. Um, and, you know, COVID might be one of the best things to ever happen to golf because it has got people on the course yep. because it's tough to find a tee time. You Ooh. have to be diligent. Right? It was the only it's thing you were able to do. To find... Yeah, no, and that's it. And, and look, I mean, you know, it's almost as tricky. It's next to impossible to try to book a provincial campsite here in the province of British Columbia and, and trying to get a tee time at a golf course. Like, you really have to want it. You have to be dedicated to get those tee times out there. And, and it's great for to see people, you know, it, you know, it's great for the sport, but um, it's just, it's not on my priority list. And uh, I used to, I used to like probably benefiting from, from the three rounds of playing uh, some of the charity tournaments. There's <laughs> <laughs> just not been a lot of going on. So, or they or people have just found out how sh- shitty a golfer I am. <laughs> they just don't want to invite me back. It's, Probably a couple of those things. Rip, you have more golf questions for him? Um, you know what? We'll do this in honor of Troy. Troy's not here today. Well, he, do you want to do that the segment? Yeah, we'll do that segment. We'll do the segment. I will say that I have been to Augusta. I covered the 05 Masters. You're kidding. Okay, hold, here, here we go. Walk us through the 05 Masters then. Well, funny enough, there was a story behind it, too. So I yes. got to Augusta, which, like, with all due respect to anybody who's listening that might be from Augusta, Georgia, I'm sorry, but, um, you know, maybe it, you know, it's home and maybe, you know, it's, it's a nice place for you to live. But, man, like, going there, it's like there's your, your you know, you've got this field of dreams built in the middle of if you build it, they will come. <laughs> of, a dumpy, of a dumpy town, like it is a it is a gorgeous course, but Augusta is not overly sexy. Like it is not a great town. It's basically Augusta National is surrounded by you know bacon shake and McDonald's and Wendy's <laughs> and Hardee's. Sign me Burger up. King. <laughs> it's just a, a fast food restaurant. Yeah, it's sign us up, James. <laughs> So James, before you go on here, was that the 05 Masters when like Tiger made the putt and like the ball dropped? That's the, the, the that was the in your life. The chip, yes, yeah. That was the in your life, and and even better. So I get there on the Monday uh, for the start of uh, Masters week, and I pick up my credentials, and they said, "All right, here are your credentials for your practice rounds." I'm like, "Great." And what about when the tournament starts? To which they replied. Oh, you're only credentialed for the practice round. 
Oh my. Well, that could be some sort of mistake. <laughs> nope. So I basically uh, spent uh, Thursday through Sunday in a satellite truck in the parking lot of Augusta. Um, and uh, yeah, basically had to cover the tournament that way. Sound. Walking the grounds for three magical days of the practice rounds, but. Uh, yeah, basically watched the tournament on a black and white monitor and a oh, yeah, they tossed you into a sweaty van. So close, yet so far from paradise, boys. It was, uh, but that was, yeah, that was the tiger. You know, wow. to be down there to walk the forest, you know, and, and this is 2005. You know, you could still smoke in the press room. People <laughs> still hacking butts, and you know, international media coming in. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I had a chance to interview Arnold Palmer when he was there, and that was nice. kind of cool. And, um, you know, I actually it was funny because there was a clothing designer in Toronto or a clothing distributor, and they had the contract with uh, Jay Lindeberg, uh, which was all the clothing that Jesper Parnovich was wearing. Yeah, yeah, yep. And so Jesper wore, wore some colorful stuff. So I got decked out with all the gear, <laughs> and people were looking at me like I was. This dude's got to be a player, or who the hell is this guy? Because I, I had the bubble gum. And this, keep in mind, I was wearing color in 05. This is still early, right? So, you know, I had the striped pants, the bubble gum shirt, the <laughs> lime polo shirt, the big Jay Lindbergh belt buckle. I had the visors. You know, and it's funny because everybody noticed my coverage. Uh, when I got back, you know, it was other mix like, man, you had some colorful stuff. Or other people would just be, man, you look like a friggin' idiot. So, <laughs> yeah, the people of Georgia would have loved that look. It was definitely memorable. Yeah, it was definitely memorable for a lot of ways, but it sucked like hell having to cover it from a parking lot satellite truck. Your story was so cool until you had to sit in the truck for four days. <laughs> <laughs> Broke my heart. <laughs> Oh, do you watch the putt? Yeah, on a black and white TV, size of a toaster. You got to hear the roar, though. Yeah, and, and well, I'll tell you what. The, the one of the most surreal images I've ever experienced in my life was the '04 Canadian Open, where Mike Weir had a three-shot lead in the final round on the back nine at Glen Abbey. Right. And B.J. Singh was the number one ranked golfer. Uh, in the world at the time, and um, you know, he was uh, and, and Mike was on 18, and it was this whole wow, can you can you end the 50 year drought? And, um, and there he is, he's on he's on 18. He needed to hit, I think it was an eight or 12 foot putt uh, to win it. And it was there were so many fans, there were so many people. There had to be about 50,000 people lining 18, and you could just, I remember sneaking under the grandstand and kind of ripping a little hole in the green signage and banner wrap that was around to kind of dress up the, the, the grandstand and poking a hole through it under the grandstand to kind of see, and it was just people for miles and miles. And, and there, man, I got Gretzky was there watching and so many other notables and you know, we're missed the putt, but man, just the hush to have that many people in absolute silence. Yeah. For Weir. I can't even imagine the pressure he felt because my heart was pounding. But it was just, I mean, had, had he been able to hit that, that would have been one of the most incredible moments in Canadian sports history uh, if he was able to pull that off. But man, just 
the heart pounding, everybody pulling for this guy. I'm sure he felt the weight of it. And this is, you know, Mike, Mike's a, a year removed from winning Augusta, right? Yeah. So, That's um, incredible. One, one of the most incredible sites. It's unfortunate that Mike couldn't finish it. You know, lost to the best in the world time. And BJ, although I think most people would still probably say Tiger was still the man at that point. But, um, but man, it was, it was incredible, that image, that moment on 18 at Glenhouse. Wow. Yeah, that's nuts. All right, James, off to our segment called Questions from the Gallery, sponsored by Perfect Turf Sask. Best turf, North American made, putting greens, great lawns, and zero maintenance. Check them out today on social media at Perfect Turf Sask, or you can call them at 306-541-9840. Perfect Turf is only a call away. James, how good is that radio voice, by the way? <laughs> that is, uh, that's, a, that's a hell of a read. That's why you guys get the big bucks. Yeah. Okay. Moving on here, James. Uh, okay. I want to know here one, uh, one, a good question that everyone wants to know. Um, one person that you've interviewed in your whole career thus far, your favorite one, maybe it's one of the biggest celebrities. Uh, yeah. Who's your favorite interview so far? Uh, for celebrities or sports or yeah, whichever. Like just one that you're like, wow, that was unreal, and this person is super cool. I get asked this all the time and I don't know if I ever have uh, a great response. I've been really fortunate to talk to a lot of different people uh, over the last several years. And, you know, I'll tell you what, um, just from a recency bias, you know, two years ago, I flew down to LA and spent two days in the studio recording with Snoop for the video game. And uh, he was, he was awesome. Um, it's, uh, just, just fantastic. Um, it was, uh, he was everything you would expect him to be. He must but, have stories. Uh, and it's, oh my God. Uh, there's so many stories. I mean, it, it's a fun guy and, and huge sports fan. You know, one of the coolest things for me was when, you know, we were just talking, it was the NBA finals at the time. The Raptors were playing the Warriors. And, you know, he was pulling for Golden State, obviously, you know. I was I was all in on the raps and you know we just were talking about ball and he's a big Lakers fan by at heart. I just said you know I um, I was uh, I said you know I was a, I just started watching basketball for me as a kid because of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and when I said hmm. that he kind of perked up and he looked at me and he said really I said yeah yeah he said yeah. okay I'll, I'll I'm gonna show you something later. I said okay you know the, session continued and you know the day went on and when we wrapped up that first day he uh, he got up he left and we were kind of packing up our stuff and you know he came back into the studio and he had this little jewelry box and he opened it up and it was it was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-star ring from uh, I think from 1971 and another one from 1985 and, wow um, you know, he was, he was a huge Kareem fan as well and just kind of have that bond. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it, it just a show. This kind of showed that how, how big a fan he was. And, you know, what, what kind of resonated for him, that I think he said somewhere in the neighborhood of about a 1,000 jerseys he had in his collection. He had got one from the Peterborough Peaks, uh, the Ontario Hockey League. But the fact that you know, <laughs> he remembered having a Peterborough Peaks jersey 
it really resonated with him. Like, he's a, he was a smart guy. Intelligent dude, yeah. Now, yep. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll say this. For, for all the, the, the persona that he brings, you know, that guy's a smart, sophisticated, and successful individual. And, you know, the first thing, one of the first things he said when he sat down with us was he looked at our producers and he said, listen, guys, I am not above being told what to do. I am not opposed to being told what to do because knowing full well that, look, the better the game sounds, the better I sound. The better I sound, the better the game sounds, right? It's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword in the sense that, you know, hey, if we work together, we collaborate, we both win. Yeah. And, um, and, and he recognized that. So the time spent with Snoop, I mean, that's, that will definitely always, you know, stay in my memory. Um, you know, times that, you know, just different experiences. I was a huge Chuck D fan from Public Enemy uh, growing up. I uh, was a big hip-hop guy. And having a chance to talk basketball with Chuck uh, several years ago was, was just one of the biggest thrills of my life. And, and just talking sports with Chuck was, was outstanding. Um, you know, those are the ones that kind of stand out. Uh, yeah, David Beckham. You know, it was just a brief interview. It wasn't overly long. Um, but, you know, David just you know, for, for the, the mystique around a guy who's got such a massive global following and brand, you know, he kind of just came across the real dude. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Really, really, enjoy, really enjoyed him. And, um, you know, my, my world junior experiences, I, so many young guys, I, I loved covering Alex Ovechkin, especially young Ovi. Oh, my God, <laughs> the energy and the, Electric. All the personality he was. He was just so much fun for the game, but... You know, Ovi comes to mind as somebody who I, I really enjoyed, you know, loved talking to and, and loved his opinions and uh, just, just his personality. You know, Sidney Crosby, just how determined he was and, and just how much he loved the game. You know, Terry Price, uh, you know, he gets cut in 2006, and I remember sitting there with him along with a couple of other players who had been cut, and they're waiting for the bus to kind of take them back to the airport and, you know, and there's a group of players that had made the team that year in Vancouver and were in the hotel lobby and, you know, price to, to nobody specific, but just kind of said it out loud and he just said, you know, this sucks because I'm going to come back next year and I'm going to dominate. I'm going to absolutely dominate this tournament. And, sh- and sure enough, man, true to his word, Terry Price came back and, man, I mean, if you're a Canadian hockey fan, you probably still remember that magical performance that he put on and left down Sweden with yeah. shootout yep. out and backstopping Canada to gold and you know here he is in the Stanley Cup final for the Montreal Canadiens and you know I'll tell you what you know the it may not be a win for the Habs here in the Stanley Cup final but I'll tell you man like Terry Price put on a show for three rounds uh, to, to at least get the Habs in the final absolutely so okay I'm gonna um piggyback off of that do you think uh tampa closes it out tonight or does montreal stay alive here you know it's hard to see tampa losing at this point but man i have refused to bet against the Habs the entire postseason so i'm gonna say montreal finds a way i I just to me and and i obviously Terry price hasn't been very good for the first three games but I, i just I, I've, I've been of the opinion for the last two months I am not betting against Terry Price, and <laughs> it might take a miracle, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my guns. I'm gonna say uh, I'm not betting against Terry Price. James, who's your favorite wrestler? 
all time? Well, let's do all time and then current. Uh, all time Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> That's a name. And current? You know, man, it's tough not to like the Canadian Kenny Omega. Um, he's pretty awesome. And, and what Roman Reigns has been doing for the last year or so is pretty awesome. Too. So I'll say uh, I'll go with a former CFLer and, uh, and a Canadian. How about that? I like it. Yeah. All right. So we'll go another question here. Our co-host Troy, he usually asks this question. What is your dream foursome? Uh, oh, dream foursome. Well, okay, you got to commit to people for what, depending if it's a tournament or at least you're committing at least four hours to people. Um, I want a good storyteller, so a dream foursome. I'm gonna put. Uh, I want. I want Dave Chappelle. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, wow, off the board. <laughs> yeah. I want, I want. I want Dave Chappelle. I want Dave Grohl. Man, he's gonna be a, a lot of fun too. So. I'm going to put Dave Grohl, Dave Chappelle, a couple of Daves. These are the Daves I know. And I'm going to round it out with, uh, man, I want Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> I want Michael Jordan, Dave Chappelle, and Dave Grohl, and myself. I'm going to, I'm going to round out. That, there's my there's my horse right there. There's, there's, my four, there's my four horses. Wow, that's a good group. Yeah. And off the board with off. two different ones. Usually it's Tiger and Michael. But... Dave, yeah, it's Tiger, Michael, and then, yeah. I like that. And then usually me. But. I like that dream for some. <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right, James. Uh, what's okay, your? I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go with that one. Yeah, that's a that's a great foursome. Uh, lowest round ever, and your favorite track. Uh, lowest round ever, and my favorite. I couldn't tell you my lowest round ever because <laughs> it mostly just or, or stopped scoring after a certain point. Fair um, enough. And favorite track. Oh, you know what? Um, hmm. So I had I had to have played it. Whichever, or or covered it. Yep. Yeah. Um. I mean, going down to Pebble just to kind of be on the outskirts of that course is pretty epic. Just to drive it down to Monterey. Um. But. All right, James. Let's spin this question. Yeah. Let's spin this question to who? And this is probably my last one here. Who is one person that you want to interview that you have not yet? Oh, probably Dave Chappelle. Yeah, he is a funny bastard. Easy. <laughs> oh, I couldn't. I'd stop. My, oh, I'd lose my ribs. I'd be laughing the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it just, it just from a, you know, I, I, well, actually, you know what? From a sports standpoint, like the guy I would love to talk to, um, you know what, I, you know, and it's funny, I didn't mention this earlier, but just earlier this year, I hosted an event where I had a virtual half-hour interview with Magic Johnson, probably huge Lakers fan growing up. So That'd be cool. Magic would, yeah, Magic was, oh my God, Magic was everything I, I could have asked for, just to kind of have my own one-on-one time with Magic, it's amazing. Um, so that would be one, uh, that was, uh, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Dave Chappelle are probably the two that come to mind. I, I, just to me, you know, we don't have Muhammad Ali anymore, uh, but to me, I look at what what Kareem went through and experienced in a volatile time, you know, in, 
through the 60s, you know, playing at UCLA, you know, into the NBA uh, at a time where, you know, there he was changing his name, um, dealing with the backlash of that in the NBA, um, you know, without maybe the profile as much as, as Ali. But, man, there's a guy who was there to support Ali during his Supreme Court battles with the U.S. government. Uh, you know, in a Bruce Lee movie, having a fight scene with Bruce freaking <laughs> Lee, uh, you know, Sick. winning six NBA titles, uh, just you know, you know, multiple MVPs, one of the, one of the, just one of the greatest players in NBA history, and, and at times almost criminally forgotten. Where, you know, Kareem had the sky hook, and you know, wasn't always flashy or fancy like Jordan or, or like Magic or even like LeBron, but my God, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, man, that was my, that was my guy. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, just think, oh boy. I just think his story, I just think his story on and off the court is just, uh, is a fascinating. Well, that's awesome. Rip, I think uh, we're good, hey? Yeah. James, uh, man, we appreciate uh, you coming on today. We hope we can do this again. Uh, we had a lot of fun today. Guys, thank you for having me, and uh, stay safe out there, and here's hoping back to a world of normal again. Oh, yeah. A couple Abs- days for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, James, st- yeah, stay safe as well, and uh, like I said, hope we can do this uh, again down the road. Take care. Okay. Thanks, James. Cheers, boys. Take care. See ya. This episode of Off the Hosel is brought to you by Last Mountain Distillery. Last Mountain Distillery is family-owned and operated, located in Lumsden, Saskatchewan the heart of green country. Our success lies in our commitment to producing high-quality, handcrafted spirits. Our signature products include Saskatchewan's best-selling, naturally-infused dill pickle vodka, which is on sale all month long at many places across the province. Also, don't forget to try out their new hibiscus lime vodka, only made by Last Mountain Distillery. Alrighty, boys. Episode 79, James Sabalski. Kozak wasn't here as we just literally got him out of the lobby. He's so hungry. But Pulled him off the street. Yeah, he, he's starving. So we're going to wrap this up quick here. But Rip, quickly thoughts on uh, James Sabalski here. Uh, I had a great time just listening to him uh, tell his stories and his very unique stories that I thought he would never have, actually. Um, he's a great guy. Thanks for giving <laughs> the time of day for us. Yeah, sea balls, you dog. Uh, yeah, a lot of fun with James. Uh, we hope to do it again. Hopefully, get him on Zoom. Yeah, I think he was making dinner. We had him on the pod, but he's chopping onions. He's chopping onions. I was crying. Made to be due to the sweat. Um, but yeah, James Sabalski, great interview. Rip. Before we end this thing here, we have one, two, for sure, two, possibly three interviews left this week. We're on a southern road trip right now. We're already on four days already. Southwest. South. Sask. Southwest. Sask. Swift Current. Reminder: We're recording this week from Days In by Windham. In Swift Current, Saskatchewan. Speedy Creek, as our friends say, north of the border. Um, yeah, boys. Day two tomorrow. And if you're listening to this, we won't talk to you until next week. As we do one podcast a week because we have lives. So, Kozak, play well tomorrow. You too, man. Thanks. Uh, Rip, let's have a day tomorrow. Yeah. Like Kozak, I mean, good luck. I love it. Let's good have vibes. a day. Kozak, I, I appreciate- better not see any hot dog buns on the golf course. No, because it'll be in my stomach. Thanks, Dale Trail. Yeah, Dale Trail. Sex shout out to you, by the way. Ko- yeah. uh, Kozak, thanks for co-hosting today. We appreciate you coming down on, down on the podcast. Best luck tomorrow. Thanks.
All right, Kozak, that was a good send-off. <laughs> uh, rip, social media handles, at underscore off the hosel on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook is just off the hosel. Reminder, run YouTube now. Make sure you push the subscribe and like. Go watch your faces. Oh, your mic is off. Oh. Was that rip? Sound. <laughs> was that rip? Uh, to the faces? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Check out this on YouTube. Follow us, like us, rate us. If you don't like this, take rocks. We don't care. Uh, oh, hope that's you guys, my lunch for the rest of the week. Hope you guys, <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Rip, we'll talk to you next week. Yep. Everyone else, I'll have a great good. Wednesday. Enjoy your uh, weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. See ya.